Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast ministry of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today's podcast is the Easter message given by Pastor Roy Burkett. In this message, Pastor Roy will be giving some reflections on the resurrection of Jesus. We pray that these reflections will challenge you wherever you are at on your journey with Jesus. Once again, here's Pastor Roy Burkett from Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Some of you may have heard this story before, the good news, bad news story. Um, I heard this a number of years ago, and I was reminded of as I was putting together this little talk today. Um, the guy goes to the doctor, and uh, the doctor says, I have some good news and bad news. And he said, which would you like to hear first? And he says, well, give me, give me the good news. I could use some good news. I've had a rough week. And he said, well, he says, the good news is, he said, you have 24 hours to live. He's like, wow, that's good news. He said, what could be worse than that? He said, well, the bad news is I forgot to tell you yesterday. Um, So (laughs) it wasn't real good. That wasn't a good day for him. Um, There are just three things I really want to focus in and talk about the resurrection. But the first word is diagnosis. The second word is prognosis. And the third word is remedy. Uh, When we think in terms of our lives, I looked up the word diagnosis. It says it's an art of act of identifying a disease from its signs and symptoms. Second definition of diagnosis, investigation or analysis of the cause or nature of a condition, situation, or problem. So we investigate, we analyze, we want to find out what is the root cause of the problem. When you go to the doctor, he'll ask you a series of questions. And the reason he asks you those questions is he's trying to determine externally you don't feel good. And he's trying to identify what is the source and the root cause of the problem. I know I'm not much of a car mechanic. And uh, when I was dating my wife, we went up, uh, we were living in Virginia. At that time, we went up on the Blue Ridge Parkway and eventually my car started overheating. I thought, oh boy, this is not good. I'm not a mechanic, and I probably have about zero tools in the car. And so pulled off to the side, and I thought, my goodness, I lifted the hood, there's steam coming out. I think she probably thought I had this planned so we'd break down out there in the middle of nowhere. But I didn't have it planned. And uh, I happened to notice there was a tiny pinhole in the radiator hose. I knew how to fix that. And I had a little pocket knife, and I was able to cut off, because it was on the very end of the hose. I was able to take the, the hose off with the, uh, I had a little screwdriver on the end of my pocket knife, and I was able to cut the end off. I only had to cut about that much off, and I could stick the hose back on. She thought I was Mr. Goodwrench. <laughs> Since we've been married 20 years, she knows better, because <laughs> I can't fix hardly anything when it comes to an automobile. Um, but here was the deal. I could not have fixed the car. I had to diagnose the problem to figure out what in the world was going on. And today in our culture, is it not true that life is a little busy? You know, when you run into people, uh, people all the time, I'm busy. I'm busy. In fact, Kevin DeYoung wrote a book in the last year or two called Crazy Busy. It's a book I've wanted to read, but I've been too busy to read it, so... Uh, But anyhow, the point is, it is a book I would like to read sometime, and it's probably a book we all need to read, about what do we do with busyness of life. 
And I was a singles pastor in Virginia, and I remember one of our single guys was leaving after church. He wasn't staying for Sunday school. We had Sunday school after church. And I said, where are you going? He says, oh, I got to go. I, I, I got a lot to do. I'm, I'm busy. And I thought, my goodness, if we're too busy for church, we're too busy, aren't we? Uh, and that's one of the things that happens is we get so busy in life that probably if we look back, there's a lot of people that I can think of when I, when I served as pastor for 12 years in Virginia, four years here now, almost, that there are a lot of people who used to be in church and they used to have kind of a relationship with God and they used to put God kind of at the top of their list, and, but they're busy. And so things have, other things have come in and have taken precedence over that and we no longer make God a priority in our lives. So I am thankful for days like Easter where we stop and pause to remember what is the most important thing in life. If it wasn't for the resurrection, we wouldn't even need this building. We wouldn't need hymn books. We wouldn't need the Bible. We wouldn't need these songs. We wouldn't need to bother praying if it wasn't for the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ makes all of this make sense. But why did Jesus die? We talked about that on Friday night. Why did he die? Well, Jesus diagnosed that we have a problem. We, meaning the world. Everybody in it has a problem. We are all, the Bible says, conceived in sin. We don't get to choose whether or not we want to be conceived in sin. We are conceived in sin. The Bible makes that very clear. The psalmist said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, meaning I was shapen, conceived in sin in his mother's womb. And that sin is passed on from generation to generation since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve. And the way God has diagnosed our hearts to show us our sinfulness, you know how he's done that? He's given us a law. And he says, if you will live up to the standard of this law in perfection, then I will accept you into my heaven. But here's the deal. You can't shortchange one of my commands. If you miss one of my commands, you are guilty and you will not come into my heaven. We're also born in sin. So even if we looked at the Ten Commandments, Let's just take a moment and consider them for a moment. What's the first commandment? Or not the first one, but what is a commandment? Thou shalt not bear false witness. Tell a lie. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if I had to guess, everybody in this room has probably told at least one lie in their life. I doubt that anybody has probably, at least if you're six or older, <laughs> maybe even younger, you've told a lie. Now, what does that make you? A lot of people say, well, a dishonest person. That's true, but the word starts with L. You're a liar. And see, we shortchange it and like to say, well, I'm just dishonest. No, you're a liar is what you are. And, and therefore, you have broken God's law, and because you've broken his law, and I've broken his law too, I don't deserve to go to heaven, and neither do you. Let's think of another one. Thou shalt not steal. Have you ever stolen anything? 
Doesn't matter the cost, doesn't matter the price or value, a pencil, a pen, paper clip. Stealing is stealing. What does that make you? A thief. A thief. And so now we're a liar and we're a thief. That's only two of the Ten Commandments. How are we doing so far? Then the Bible talks about to not commit adultery. And, you know, a lot of people think that's just in the physical act, but Jesus goes on in the New Testament and says, whoever even looks at a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery. What does that mean? It means I'm guilty before God. Because the truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, if we take and we put our finger here and we have a pulse, we have failed in that law. I haven't met anyone yet who hasn't admitted that they haven't done that. So what has God done? He has given us this law to diagnose our problem, that we have a problem. But here's the, here's the problem is, and then there's a prognosis that goes along with that. What is the prognosis? The prognosis is we are going to die in our sin, separated from God, unless we accept the remedy for sin. And there's only one. There's only one. And see, when I think about prognosis, a prognosis is a prediction about how something will develop, such as the weather. Now, we know how accurate the weatherman is, right? <laughs> he gives his prognosis. He's the only guy who can be wrong 300 times a year and still keep his job. Um, he makes a prognosis, a prediction of what the weather will be, and we know that that's probably not going to be, hopefully it's close, but the prognosis is there. Or if you go to the doctor and you have an illness, they will say, you have this illness, you take these pills, and with the next number of days, you should be feeling better. And they give you that prognosis. God also gives us a prognosis for those who have violated his law and the prognosis is, when you die, if you die in your sin, you will be eternally separated from God forever in a place the Bible calls hell. Now, a lot of people say, well, you're preaching hellfire and brimstone. No, I'm preaching the Bible. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. And why do I do that? Because I'm concerned about your eternal destiny. I'm concerned about where you're going to spend your life. And so then... There's a remedy for it, but here's what happens. If we misdiagnose the problem, then we're going to have, with the misdiagnosis, we will apply the wrong remedy for that diagnosis. For instance, when my hose broke on my car, well, I could have went out and got a new battery. Would that have solved the problem? Not hardly, because the diagnosis said, no, it's a hose, not a battery. I could have went out and bought a new set of wheels. Would that have fixed the problem? You know, chrome wheels? Not hardly. New paint job? No, I misdiagnosed the problem. I didn't address the problem. And what happens is people don't even want to come to church to hear about the diagnosis because they don't want to face the fact that they are separated from God. And so I just stay away from that. I don't want to hear that. I just kind of bury it and put it under the, the, the carpet, as it were, Yet the reality is, even if you bury it, it doesn't change the diagnosis. 
It doesn't change the reality that you and I are going to stand before a holy God one day and give an account of our relationship. And here's what people do with their diagnosis. Okay, I realize I'm a bad person, so I'll start doing good things. I'll start, I'll start giving money to the poor. I'll start helping people. I'll get baptized. I'll sing in the choir. I'll join the church. Wonderful things to do. But it won't erase. It's not the remedy for sin. It won't erase your debt of sin. Like the little boy that came in, he was outside playing, and he, he had mud all over his, his, his one hand. And, and his mom said, are you going to clean up your your hands? Get that mud off your hand? And he said, yeah, I'm just going to wipe it on my clean hand and take care of it. Well, then what does he have? He has two dirty hands. And so some people think that, well, yeah, I do some bad things, but you know, I've got a clean hand over here, and I'll just, I'll just mix them together and somehow be clean, and you won't be clean. God gives us the remedy He tells us a diagnosis. The diagnosis tells us that we are guilty. If we go back to Romans chapter 3, listen to these words. It says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. And he says, We also know that the law says to those who are under the law, like the Ten Commandments and such, we are under that, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. In other words, we, if we understand our diagnoses, and we understand that God is the one who brought that diagnosis to us, that we then are answerable to this God. We're answerable to him. And in verse 20 of Romans chapter 3, it says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. In other words, if you and I could obey every aspect of the law, God would declare us righteous, but we can't even do that because we can't observe it all. We can't obey it all. No one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin, the Bible says. And so what does this have to do with the resurrection? Well, it has to do with Jesus' death. The resurrection presupposes that there was a death. And why did Jesus die? He died for our sin, for the diagnosis that we were separated from God forever. And we could not erase the sin debt to be reconciled to a holy God. So Jesus came and he died. Now let me share something else about the resurrection According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection of Christ guarantees our resurrection. That's why it's so vital. Jesus' resurrection guarantees my resurrection. Listen to these words in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? See, in Paul's day, there were Greek philosophers... And there were the Sadducees who did not believe in a physical resurrection. And so Paul is arguing if Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, how can you say there will not be a resurrection? Now, unfortunately, what is popular in our day is some people believe in annihilationism. And what I mean by that is it will just be annihilated. 
At the end of our life, when we die and we're placed in the ground, we'll be annihilated and life is over and there's nothing after that. Other people will hold to the idea of reincarnation. Oh, I believe I'm coming back as whatever. Something else and I'll be better and I'll evolve and I'll evolve. Where do you get that philosophy? Where do you get that idea? You don't get it from the Bible. Here's what the Bible says, the one who diagnosed our sin problem. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. You die once. That takes away reincarnation. And then it says, after this, the judgment. We will face the judgment before God. Which means I have to be resurrection, resurrected after I die to face the judgment. So we will be resurrected. All of us will be resurrected. Some to eternal life and eternal reward in heaven and others to eternal hell and separation from God. Based on not what I did in my works, based on what Jesus did in the cross and me trusting the death of Jesus as payment for my sin because he's diagnosed my problem. And he's given me a remedy in Jesus Christ. The scriptures testify that Jesus rose from the dead. In Romans 6, verse 8, it says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And Jesus also predicted that he would rise from the dead. He said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise again. Talking about his body. People saw Jesus, over 500 people, according to the book of 1 Corinthians, saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. 500 plus eyewitness accounts who saw Jesus Christ. The last thing I want to say about the resurrection is this. The resurrection of Christ not only guarantees my resurrection, but the resurrection of Christ secures my salvation and your salvation you see, Jesus paid for our sin on the cross, the penalty in full. But the, the final fulfillment and installment of that was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because here's what the Apostle Paul says later in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, more than that, People were found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Unless Jesus rose again. So because he rose again... He has now not only diagnosed our problem and given us a prognosis of what our future will be, but he's given us a remedy for our sin, the diagnosis. So the question is, not do you attend church, not do you read the Bible, not do you pray, not are you a member, not how much money you give, not whether you've been baptized. The question is, what have you done with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you stand before God and, and, and God says, why should I let you into heaven? What are you going to say? I know what I'm going to say. I don't deserve to come into your heaven. 
But I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for Roy Burkett and paid for the sins of Roy Burkett in full. And I remember as a little boy, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for my salvation. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross and three days later he was raised and is at the right hand of the Father for me and for you. Let's stand and bow for a word of prayer. I would ask you this morning, as your heads bowed and eyes are closed, where are you at in your relationship with God? Not, not where, you know, where you want to be, but where are you right now? Like today, if you had to give an answer and give an account of where you are, not where other people think you are, where are you before God? Because the truth is, when you and I stand before God one day, it's not going to be around your friends or your family. They're not going to be gathered around you, not your drinking buddies or anybody else. It's going to be you and you alone. And me and me alone. And God is going to judge you and I, not based on who you think God is, but based on who he is. And do you know who he is? He's revealed himself in the pages of Scripture. He's told us who he is in his law. And so I would ask you, if you were to face the judgment today, are you ready? Was there a time in your life where you recognized that you were a sinner and have violated God's law, and you've been diagnosed as a sinner, and you understand your prognosis And you understand today that you need Jesus Christ to forgive you and cleanse you. My friend, that's what the death and resurrection of Christ is all about. And I would just encourage you right there in your seat, you can confess to God in your heart, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus Christ died for me and paid the penalty for my sin in full. And God, I invite you to come into my life and make me a brand new person in Jesus Christ so that one day I can spend eternity with you. If you made that decision today, would you tell me at the end of the service, I'll be out greeting folk out in the lobby. I would love to hear that. We would love to help you grow too in your faith in the Lord. Thank you for being here today. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Resurrection Sunday. God, we thank you that Jesus was willing to go to the cross to endure the pain and the agony and the suffering and humiliation, not for his sin, but for our sin. And you were willing to go through all that pain and take the burden of my sin and the sins of these who stand in front of me this morning, and the sins of the whole world, that we could be reconciled to a holy God. And Lord, we thank you for your written revelation in your word that diagnoses our problem. So many people are looking for the wrong remedy for their sin. And God, you've given us not only the diagnosis and the prognosis, but you've given us a remedy. You've given us a solution of the sin problem that we can give it to you. 
And you will forgive us and cleanse us and make us a new person. And you said if any man or woman be in Christ, they're a new creation, the old has gone and the new has come. Lord, you give us new desires and a new heart. You give us a desire and a passion to serve you. I pray if there's someone here today who has not trusted you to be their Savior and Lord, that this would be the day of salvation for them, where they would invite you in. They would humble themselves because you give grace to the humble and receive you into their lives. Lord, we love you and we praise you for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Easter celebration. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you have any questions or want to know more about our church, please go to our website at www.bchweb.org or find us on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.